All right, this episode of the Short Side Option Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Manhattan Brewing Company. Manhattan Brewing Company is located at 406 Points Avenue in downtown Manhattan, Kansas. Quality, community, and education are Manhattan Brewing Company's three pillars, and we are super excited to have them back for their second year as the title sponsor of the Short Side Option Podcast. With nearly 20 years of collective experience in the craft beer industry, Jake, Adam, and Garrett are focused on brewing and serving high-quality craft beers in a family-friendly atmosphere in the heart of downtown Manhattan. Manhattan is their home, and they want to bring the best possible beer experience and education to the wonderful people of Manhattan, creating a place for everyone to come out and have a good time with their friends and cultivate a craft beer culture that Manhattan can be proud of. Be sure to follow them on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Brewing and their website at www.mhkbeer.com to stay up to date on all the latest events going on at the brewery. Some great stuff there. And uh, this week here on the Short Side Option, uh, it's just yours truly here uh, this week. Uh, no deli this week, but we uh, the show must go on here. And we look back at uh, K-State's 34-27 to loss to Texas last Saturday and preview and predict Saturday's game against the Baylor Bears, which is... Uh, essentially an elimination game here for both teams uh, as they both eye a spot in Arlington here the first weekend of December. Uh, lots to do, and uh, we're excited to have you on board with us here for our 100th episode of the Short Side Option podcast. Uh, can't wait to get to it and uh, have, have a couple more episodes here to close out the season as well. This is the Short Side Option. Nice to have you with us here on another edition of the Short Side Option. It's the icon. No DLU this week. Uh, wasn't able to make it happen for him. So you're stuck with me here for the next uh, 20, 30 minutes where we look back at K-State's 34-27 loss to Texas and uh, look ahead to what's an elimination game for Kansas State uh, as they uh, keep their try to keep their dreams alive for a conference title uh, appearance in the Big 12 championship game. They will need to win out and get a little bit of help here as we uh, continue on here for the final three games of the season. K-State loses to Texas 34-27 in a hard-fought game. And, you know, let's let's just go ahead and, and uh, get started there. Uh, first off, this game wasn't lost uh, by, by coaching, time management, uh, any of that sort of scenarios that took place there. Kind of at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the first half a little bit, you could say. And then a little bit at uh, the, the end of the... Uh, at the end of the game where, you know, K-State wasn't quite able to uh, move the ball quick enough. They did go down with two timeouts still, um, you know, in the pocket, so to speak, as the as the game ends. But uh, a little bit maybe more of a sense of urgency uh, w- was kind of looked at on the, on the drive where we ended in a field goal uh, to cut the lead to seven. Uh, the, rather than even the the drive uh, as we're going for the tie, you can make arguments there. I'm not going to beat up climbing for that necessarily. Uh, and I'm not going to beat up Adrian Martinez. Uh, the one turnover before halftime was a big one, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But at the end of the game, the fumble. He's trying to make a play. He's got a long way to go, and he doesn't have much time. So I'm not going to give him too much of a hard time there. I'm going to give him a pass on that one. Uh, but first off, let's go ahead and just dive into it. This game was lost by the defense and uh, their inability to, to stop the run or really just Texas in general in the first half. Uh, K-State trails at, at halftime 31-10, and that was just too much of a mountain to come uh, come back from uh, and to climb there. 
And uh, you just got to call it like it is. This defense did did a terrible job uh, in the first half. Uh, Bijan Robinson had 161 yards uh, at halftime, and, and you just can't have that and have a chance to win. Bottom line there. So I want to first touch on that because that's the biggest issue there. And K State is going to see that again here this week with Baylor, another team that's here physical, likes to run the football, and uh, they're really hitting their stride. So a big time test for K State. Now you have to give them credit though. In the second half, they really did do a lot to to, to settle down that that Texas uh, Texas offense, uh, where they were only I think the number was in the hundred they they gained less than 150 yards in the second half total, uh, but they were able to you know play kind of the, uh, time and score. And uh, and keep K State at arm's length uh, throughout the second half, but uh, you have to have to give K State some credit in the second half. But uh, their first half was too much to come back from, and and I don't think there's any secret there. Defense has to get 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 that figured out. And you know we talked about it. I know uh, you know if Drew's here, I know we'd be talking about too that. Um, this K-State defense, for as good as you know it's been at times this season, has really struggled against the run, and uh, they've really got exposed. Uh, you know, even in a couple other games against Texas Tech, we mentioned it against Oklahoma. Uh, we mentioned, of course, against TCU is maybe the most glaring example of that. But this defense has really struggled against the run game. And it's something they've got to get figured out if they have any chance of uh, finishing the season nine and three and putting themselves in a position uh, to where they may be uh, selected to go to Arlington as one of the top two teams in the Big 12. So something there to, to keep an eye on because they're going to get tested early on against this Baylor team. Uh, that's a physical uh, pound the ball team. Um, Martinez, let's let's talk here about him a little bit. So thought he played reasonably well. Um, I think he ends up throwing over. Um, I'm looking here. Yeah, he he throws for 329 yards. It's hard to really beat up uh, Adrian too much, but the two turnovers, people are going to come back to that. Uh, he missed a few. He missed a throw to Knowles that that could have been a touchdown, uh, kind of on a, on a deep post route. But thought he really played well. And honestly, you know, you're walking out of the stadium. You hear everyone complain about, hey, where was Will Howard today? We could have used him instead. You know, I don't really see that. Uh, I thought. It, that uh, Adrian Martinez looked like he was pretty close to 100%, and I think he was clearly the better option. Uh, and this is another thing I want to get to. Uh, our offensive line played w- was really poor uh, last Saturday, uh, especially in the interior. Uh, there there would be times where, where Texas, with either a three- or four-man rush, uh, depending on the situation, uh, you know, they, they, they're caving that, that five-man offensive line because uh, they're caving it right up the middle. And that was something that I looked at going into the game. I know I, I, I uh, was on our preview was was concerned about that, and uh, those concerns were well founded because the offensive line. Uh, and you can point to a, a couple of guys. I mean, you can point. To, you know, I don't necessarily need to get in the business of naming names here, but the tackles did not uh, necessarily play well. So too many pre-snap penalties too. Uh, that that were that were uh, killers there. But uh, this whole offensive line as a group, you know, did not do very well. Uh, ran the ball for four yards a carry, uh, 35 times for 154 yards. K-State's going to need to be closer to 200 uh, against uh, against teams if they want to have success. Uh, for Adrian Martinez to uh, throw for 329 yards, uh, the big one of the day was to Malik Knowles. Uh, for 62 yards, where he was able to, to really uh, have a nice little catch and run afterwards there. Uh, but that was really the most explosive play for K-State that game. And uh, I want to get to the wide receivers next, because I uh, thought that 
a big question mark as we look forward here, and I think that they will be good to go in terms of being able to give it a shot in play, is uh, Cade Warner and Malik Knowles were not out there on the on the the last drive. They could they couldn't go uh, on the last drive. So they I, I listened to uh, Kleiman's press conference. He, you know he, he's saying that they were going to be held out of practice. I think on Tuesday and maybe even Wednesday, but that they should be able to play uh, uh, against Baylor. So. Their availability, not really a concern. How effective they are going to be, maybe a little bit of a concern. So keep an eye on that against Baylor, because if we don't have those uh, two targets in the passing game, uh, it starts to be a pretty uh, bleak-looking outlook in terms of what uh, we have from a weapon standpoint on the offense. Uh, let's flip back here to quarterback. You know, I thought, uh, and I want to go back here even to, to the offensive line. Offensive line did not play well. I, I, I've made that clear. Uh, but Martinez was able to, in in spite of that, was able to throw for over 300 yards and get some and get some stuff done on the ground as well. You know, maybe he's used to that from his time in Nebraska, having to you know even, uh, immediately bail out of the pocket because there's no pocket to really be had. And that was the case a couple of times last Saturday. Uh, I don't think Will Howard would have had a shot. Uh, with with the way the offensive line played. That's one man's opinion, but uh, I thought Martinez played well, and I, I hope that, you know, you, you, I hope that the, the turnovers that he did have, the, the first interception of the season right there at the end of the first half, and then the, um, the fumble at, to, to kind of ice the game there, uh, I hope those don't play negatively into, you know, his psyche, into his decision-making, because uh, he, he's played really well so far this season and, and I hope that it continues. Now I want to get into Will Howard too because I think um I think that there are a lot of K State fans across the uh the fan base that are saying, hey, you know, how about Will Howard? You know, I, I was surprised not to see him come out after halftime or I was surprised that he wasn't even going to start the game. Uh and I think that those are both uh legitimate questions. Uh what I would say is I think the red shirt situation is pretty much heavily playing. I think it's the number, the leading factor as to why he didn't play um, against, uh, against Texas, whether if they didn't bring him in after the second half, I, I would have thought that that would have been a, at the start of the second half. I thought that would have been a start, uh, a, a place to get him in the mix or even uh, the, um, the first drive after the first drive where we, we end up punting the ball. I would have thought that he would have came in after that play too. So two opportunities for him not to, to go in there, but credit to Adrian Martinez. He did start playing a lot better and uh, he kind of answered the bell there. Uh, but I think that the, the going back to it, I think the red shirt situation is, is a big factor in this decision. I also think that the coaching staff thinks that Adrian Martinez is their top option at quarterback. But I think that the redshirt situation's a big deal, and I think that it is completely ridiculous that it's even thought of the consideration. I mean, if Will Howard takes the redshirt, then plus the extra COVID year, he'll have been here for for six years. You know, there's no need. I mean, I, I think it's ridiculous to plan that far in advance for a guy that odds are is probably not going to be here by six years just because that's just the nature of college football these days. So to have that be such a a big factor in the consideration I think is ridiculous and I, I don't really get it. So that that's, that's my two cents there. Another thing that I want to touch on is I think a, a big play in this game was Julius Sprints getting uh, ejected for targeting early on tough call. I, you know, you saw the replays in the stadium, it, you know, it looked kind of iffy 
if he, I guess, uh, I guess uh, the radio broadcast maybe had a little bit better look at it. And uh, from what I had 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 heard, that they said, you know, it, it was going to probably hold up. That's a big play because you lose Julius Brinson. I think that does have some impact, though, in terms of how the running game uh, for Texas really got got even a little bit more uh, another advantage to their running game is because with K State not having Brinson there, you know, you have to maybe keep a little bit more uh, and not be as aggressive with your safeties to bring him up uh, with, uh, with Ewers and uh, Xavier Worthy back there. You know, Xavier Worthy has two touchdowns. He didn't do much, four for 42, but the two touchdowns, if Julius Brents is in there, you know, you can kind of feel a little bit more, you can feel more comfortable uh, leaving your cornerbacks on an island there with, with Echo and Julius. And I think that, you're able to commit maybe some more numbers because you're able to feel good on the outside with what you have there and maybe commit some more numbers to the box because K-State desperately needed that. And uh, before they made the adjustments at, at halftime, the offense was just, or the defense was just getting gashed by the Texas offense. Uh, Bijan Robinson runs uh, for uh, 216 yards on, on 30 carries, good for a seven yard average. So uh, that being said, you have to give you have to give those guys on Texas the offensive line uh, and Robinson and Steve Sarkeesian a lot of credit because this was an an, an obvious situation to where they um, had an advantage and they really took advantage of it uh, and that was really um, really really how the game kind of shook out there. One other thing I want to mention I I talked about Julius Sprints leaving with the ejection. Jacob Parrish came in and I thought he acquitted himself very well. Uh, Ultimately, you know, the, he he was tested a little bit, was never really tested deep down the field. There was one pass, I think, on a uh, on an overthrow by Ewers that he was maybe a step behind, but uh, played really well. Uh, you, it's easy to see why Kleiman and, and company were so high on him uh, even before the season. Uh, but it's it's no uh, it's no surprise that he he was able to uh, to come in and do an adequate job. I don't think that surprised anyone. But to have him play as well as he did, uh, give him a kudos there. So. So let's kind of close the book here on Texas. Kind of the bottom line here for me, Klanderman and Kleiman took way too long to adjust uh, to get into the right run fits. And what I mean by that is just making sure those gaps are filled with the, the actions that they're doing. And also tackling wasn't there. Uh, so in terms of adjustments, they did make those adjustments just too little too late. And then with, uh, you know, a couple K-State's defense was able to bow up and, and get uh, Texas to, to have to attempt some shorter field goals. They kept him in there, uh, 28-yard field goal and a 29-yard field goal uh, by Auburn there. And then, uh, but K-State also had to settle for field goals too. You know, if K-State... Uh, is able to punch a touchdown in instead of having to settle for a field goal. Maybe that makes things a little bit in, more interesting on that last drive uh, to where, you know, a field goal could win the game for you in that situation. So, or, or tie the game in that situation if, if Texas, uh, but also too, if Texas says, hey, we, instead of kicking field goals, we, we score touchdowns on, on those drives, maybe it, it looks even way uh, a wider of a margin. Uh, and, and maybe it's a 21 uh, or, or uh, more. Uh, point margin for for Texas in this one so 
that'll do it for the Texas review. We're going to hop right in here to what we see with Baylor. Uh, this should be pretty quick because I think it's a pretty straightforward matchup here for K-State, uh, for what K-State needs to do against Baylor and for what uh, Baylor is going to be looking to do against K-State. I think it's no secret Baylor is going to run the football against K-State. Uh, here in their last uh, three games, uh, the Baylor Bears have been able to really find their stride offensively, uh, scoring 35 points or more in each uh, of those games. Uh, and those three wins have, have been at home against KU, and then the last two on the road in Lubbock against Tech and uh, on the road in Norman against the Oklahoma Sooners. So with that being said, you're going to see um, – you're going to see Oklahoma, or you're going to see Baylor, and they did it to the to the tune of um, to they rolled up 413 yards in terms of what the uh, the rushing stats were. Uh, they ran for 281 yards uh, against against Oklahoma, and you know this Oklahoma defense isn't necessarily uh, maybe what most people thought it would be coming into the season, uh, but it. Anytime you run against a conference opponent for nearly 300 yards, that's something to you know be pretty impressed with. So 281 yards rushing against Oklahoma, um, 231 against uh, a Texas Tech defense that uh, you know is not necessarily going to be confused for the 85 Bears, and then 273 yards against KU, uh, which has been a pretty poor run defense throughout the season. But uh, K State's going to be tested here. If K State can hold Baylor to under 200 yards rushing, they're going to be right in this game. And uh, with what you saw from the effort that they put forth in the second half, you know it's a defense that's capable of doing it. And um, honestly, you know, it's easy to say Baylor's going to do a couple different things uh, with how they go about running the ball than than what Texas would. But that mentality and that that game plan is, for K-State, I think it's pretty simple. We're going to commit numbers to the box, and we're going to make you beat us throwing the ball. And Blake Shapin is plenty capable of doing that. Uh, they don't quite necessarily have the explosiveness at the wide receiver position that they maybe have had before in the past, but uh, this is a Baylor offense that's really starting to hit their stride at the right time, and they control their own destiny here in the Big 12. At 6-3 at and three and 4-2 and two in the league, uh, they have uh, the murderer's row here, uh, K-State, Texas or K State, TCU, and then finishing up with Texas and Austin. So if TC or if Baylor is able to go through this stretch uh, unscathed, which is likely what it will take for them to uh, to get to Arlington, uh, it will have been well earned. And uh, I, I look forward to seeing how kind of these last three weeks are going to go. Uh, K State really, if they can get if they can get this game in Waco, they have the easiest schedule of any of the remaining teams that are still in title contention here in the Big 12. Uh, home against KU to close out the season and on the road at West Virginia. Uh, two teams uh, towards the uh, w- w- West Virginia at the bottom of the league. Uh, KU, you have that game at least at home. Uh, certainly a game that uh, is, is not the slam dunk it used to have been, uh, but uh, a game that K-State would feel pretty comfortable going into. Uh, that That's to say, this Baylor team, is playing some really good football, playing as good of football as anyone in the conference right now outside of maybe call it TCU. But in terms of what they've been doing offensively, uh, something to really tip your hat at. Uh, defensively, Dave Aranda is, is where he's really uh, been a um, – is really his calling card. Uh, this defense lost a lot of talent to the NFL last year. 
and uh, it's 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 okay. It's an average Big 12 defense. Nothing to write home about. Uh, I expect K State to to move the ball well there, and I think they're going to have to if they want to have a chance in this game. Uh, if K State's going to win this game, they've got to probably score in the neighborhood of 35 plus points, and that's going to be hard for them to do because at home. Uh, Baylor's, you know, in familiar in, in familiar setting, uh, a little bit better defense there is typically what you can expect. But uh, needless to say, tough matchup for K State. Their defense has been has been leaky against the run, and this Baylor offense is really hitting their stride uh, right now. So uh, let's get to a prediction here. D. Lou has texted in his result, his prediction. And he has it resulting in a 31-24 Kansas State win uh, for DLU. So kudos to him. He's a little bit more optimistic on this game than than yours truly here. Uh, but 34 to 21 for DLU. Unfortunately, as I go through that matchup, I I talk about what I think is is the big X factor here, and that's Blake Shapen. Uh, he left the game against West Virginia, a game that uh, the West Virginia or that West Virginia upset Baylor in uh, Morgantown. It's a game that Baylor should never have lost. Really, that game w- was um, kind of back at the start of the month, and it's been a or start of the month of October, uh, so to speak, and uh, was a was not a. Um, was not a defensive clinic by any any stretch of the imagination. And I don't know if you're going to see Blake Shapin. I mean, K-State got to see Blake Shapin last year. And I don't know if you're going to maybe see the Blake Shapin that, that uh, you know, you saw in the Big 12 championship game last year where he was, you know, 18 of his first 18 or 20 of his first 20. Uh, not necessarily quite uh, to that that same level of accuracy as he's been, uh, or as he was kind of towards the end of the year last year that that led him to getting this job as a starting quarterback at, uh, for the Baylor Bears. But I think that they have a little bit more a uh, little bit more weapons in their offense, and with the game being in Waco, I think that's another uh, another tip to uh, to the Bears. Uh, Shapin's been pretty good this season and, and he's really starting to play his best football right now. As much as I'd love to see K-State uh, winning this game, I, I, I think I th- like Baylor a little bit more and I see Baylor winning this game 35-28. to 28. So that'll do it here for the Texas review and the Baylor preview. Uh, so an abbreviated version. You're not going to get your normal hour and 45 minutes or, or two hours with uh, D. Louie and the icons. So uh, we we will be hopefully get D. Louie back into the mix here um, here shortly, and uh, we look forward to it uh, when that happens. So uh, now we're going to go into the Ask the Icon segment. So you, you know how this works. Uh, you ask questions. I'm going to read them, and I'm going to answer them. That that's that's simple as that. And uh, we're going to start off here with David Saban uh, at Saban Nation on Twitter. Hey, Icon, what do you say we talk about brands? Please rank these fast food burger places in terms of the strength of their brand. And the ones you list are McDonald's, Burger King, Sonic Drive-In, and Wendy's. You know, it's kind of interesting when I'm reading these questions. I almost feel like I'm I'm D-Lou. Like, I feel like I should be in one chair and then just hop over to the other chair uh, to answer them. Because that's, that's kind of my part of this whole situation. So... This is kind of a, a little bit uh, a little bit unsettling, but we're gonna we're gonna do our best to get through it here. Uh, McDonald's, Burger King, Sonic, 
in Wendy's. Uh, I got to go with McDonald's, number one. The Golden Arches. Uh, that's an iconic brand there. Uh, number two, I'm going to go Wendy's. Uh, everyone knows Wendy. Pigtails, red hair. Uh, Dave, uh, Dave Thomas, everyone knows. Uh, that's a very strong brand uh, as it relates to the fast food burger places uh, as, we get, as we continue on here. Uh, number three there. I have to see Burger King here because you got the, the BK Lounge, you got the King. Everyone everyone knows that. It, it's, a, it's a strong brand. And then Sonic, which is a brand I love. I uh, think it's a little bit fourth. Uh, I think it moves in fourth. I think Sonic, of those of those brands listed there, the only brand that's a regional brand. Uh, so, you know, you have to have uh, overall scope. And uh, that's where Sonic... Um, that's where Sonic lacks a little bit there. So have to uh, have to tip my hat there to uh, David Saban. Tremendous uh, content with him uh, coming in here with talking about brands because we, we love that. And we'll be back with babbling about brands next week. We got to get D-Loop back for that one because I know he's chopping at the bit there. Um, next question here from KSU underscore funny 33. Hey, Icon, I'm stealing this question from JL Kurtz, which is more embarrassing for Nebraska. Never winning an NCAA tournament game in basketball or having the longest bowl drought in D1 football. Uh, for me, I have to say bowl drought in D1 football for Nebraska fans because I know that they've never really cared much about um, college basketball. And I think there are a couple of programs that still have that um, that title when it comes to college basketball of not winning an NCAA tournament game. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you have like teams like Northwestern who have, who have – uh, won an NCAA tournament game. Uh, USF has won a, an NCAA tournament game. Uh, and but that was back when they were in the Big East down the American. I guess they're not necessarily considered a Power 5 team when it comes to that. Basketball's a little bit different there. But uh, bull drought uh, for me, most um, most uh, most disappointing there. So next up here is from Tyler J at T underscore Rich 1863. If um, if Kleiman loses on Saturday, will we show him the door, or are we fine with perpetual mediocrity? Or has the recent uptick in recruiting helped him avoid the hot seat? So, uh, hey, we appreciate Tyler J firing away here, uh, here as we record this on a Thursday evening. Uh, he does a really nice job there by kind of saying, hey, you know, this is Kleiman's most talented team here at Kansas State that he's had uh, so far in his tenure. And if K-State loses, they'll, they'll, they'll drop to, uh, six and four and they will be favored in their final two games, uh, likely to get to eight and four. I, I say likely, you know, they, they would be favored to get to eight and four. Uh, but you know, if, if that's the most talented team that he's going to get, uh, at K-State, uh, or at least has had here to, to date, and eight and four in, in what's been a tough Big 12 this year, which I think you have to give them credit for. Uh, that's disappointing. Will they show him the door? No. Uh, I don't think Gene would ever fire him. Um, but the recent uptick in recruiting helped him avoid the hot seat. If Casey would have finished like seven and five this year, I think you would have started to hear some people growling, which is still entirely on the table. So uh, for Tyler J, I would say let's just wait till the end of the season. But if a loss on Saturday would probably get some folks maybe uh, kind of le- left wanting more, I think that's fair to say. Um, 
Tyler J. asks another question here. What would it take for Klein to be considered a serious P5 head coaching candidate, not necessarily at K-State? I think you would need to have a couple years of running the offense uh, for K-State and to have some success in those years. Uh, this year, I think he's done a pretty good job running the offense. Um, give it three or four years, and I wouldn't be surprised if K-State's offense continues to perform that uh, Colin Klein uh, doesn't maybe get uh, some sniffs anywhere from either, you know, maybe going to uh, a Big Ten or a SEC program to become an offensive coordinator or probably have to go down to the group of five level. I don't know if he would get serious uh, P5 coaching head coaching experience or be a P5 head coaching candidate until he's got enough experience under that. And that would probably be. Oh gosh, I'd say probably another five, five or six years uh, to get to to get to a G5 level. Though I wouldn't be surprised if that takes place in, in a little bit shorter of a time. So interesting, um, interesting question there from uh, from Tyler J. Uh, next, we're going to go to uh, Steve Z60 at SL Keck on Twitter. He says, "Hey Icon, longtime listener, longtime question asker. That's that's very true. He is. Uh, could you rank the four? the four soon-to-be Big 12 teams in order of road trips you're most likely to take. Uh, yes, uh, Houston is number four. Uh, number three, Cincinnati. Number two, UCF. Number one, BYU. So that there's the official um, there's the official ranking there. And then um, did any of your conversations with opposing fans sway you to change your order of Big 12 brands? So, of course, we were talking a lot about brands last week. And uh, to answer Steve Z's question there, I would say no. I feel I've never felt stronger about the order that I have my brands listed in. Uh, but lots of discussion was had. And uh, we appreciate you guys all hopping in there and getting into the mix with us on the short side option. Uh, we're going back to Tyler J for our final question here of the evening on this uh, episode here of the Short Side Option Podcast. It's our hundredth episode too. How about that? How about that? How about that? Um, who is at their respective school longer, Leipold, K- Campbell, or Kleiman? Um, ooh, that's a good question. I'd say it's either Matt Campbell or uh, Chris Kleiman. Uh, I would probably lean toward climbing there. So that uh, would be my answer there, just because I don't think he will leave K-State for many jobs. The one that I think that you could look at is Iowa. I also think Matt Campbell's uh, kind of shine is maybe dulled a bit. And that might be somewhere that he, you know, maybe had had the chance to leave uh, a number of years ago, whether if it was uh, for for various Big Ten jobs or uh, some other jobs kind of in the area, uh, I'm not really quite sure what his prospects will look like going forward. But to me, I think Kleiman's probably the safest bet. Uh, and then uh, Campbell uh, behind him. Leipold, I think that's going to be an interesting uh, situation with maybe what you see in Nebraska, maybe with what you see at uh, Wisconsin with that opening uh, I, I think Wisconsin is going to end up hiring uh, Jim Leonard up there. Uh, and then I don't know what Nebraska is going to do yet. I don't know if that's something that would be an option for him. Uh, and if it's an option that he would he would end up taking if offered to him. I felt pretty comfortably that he would stay at KU even during 
uh, all of this talk in the offseason or in the during the season about what might come open here in the next offseason. To me, I don't really think that it's a uh, a slam dunk that he ever was going to leave after just uh, after year two. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if if Wisconsin or Nebraska did come knocking and he would be the number one choice on their board or, you know, they offer him a, a contract that's going to be likely more than what KU can, uh, then, yeah, he, it, it would be easy to see him take that position. I don't quite know if you're going to see that. So that wraps us up here for the 100th edition of the short side option podcast. Uh, we'll, we're we're going to get a cake in next time and we're going to have a, a big number 100 on there. And then, you know, we'll have, uh, you know, my face de- dealer's face and we'll, we'll have it on, on the cake. We'll, we'll have a chance to, to celebrate the century mark uh, for a hundred episodes for the short side option. And uh, we appreciate each and every one of you for listening on, listen along with us here on the short side option. And we look forward to bringing it uh, to you next week here uh, as we look back at the Baylor game and preview a big matchup uh, on the road in Morgantown, West Virginia against the West Virginia Mountaineers folks. That'll do it here for this edition of the short side option podcast. Thanks for listening and go cats.